0: We haven't talked about jazz. I'm a gigantic jazz fan. Oh, uh,
1: Stefano, you, you know what I did for the three first weeks of, the, of the, in March? What did you do? I played with my electric train. I drank whiskey and I was listening to all 40, uh, 53 Miles Davis Columbia recordings.
0: You are speaking I my could, language, my friend. I
1: could, I could not
0: listen to any notes of classical music. There are over 31 billion seconds in a year. How many of those precious seconds do you spend listening to music, binging the latest series, reading poetry, consuming art and media on a broader scale? In this series, I, Stefano Flavoni, am joined by the top artists of our time to discuss the method of our madness. As Miles Davis once said, don't play what's there, play what's not. Our first guest is a titan of performance and recording, one of the great pianists of our time, and someone whose recordings more or less defined the French piano repertoire when I was growing up. Jean-Eflamme Bavouzet, in addition to an immense performance career spanning decades, as well as the works of countless composers, from the Romantics to our most avant-garde contemporaries, has put out one of the most radically expansive recording libraries you could possibly imagine. His recent releases... The Beethoven Connection, featuring works which may have inspired or at least formed some synchronicities with Papa Ludwig's masterpieces, as well as the complete Beethoven piano concerti with the Swedish Chamber Orchestra, rocked my world in every way. After months of silence in our concert halls, as well as contracting and recovering from the Rona himself, Bavuzet sat down with me to discuss Beethoven. Debussy, Stravinsky, new music, and a ton of ideas for where we all might go from here. So first, let me say thank you for taking (laughs) time out of your day. How are you doing? I know you've been recovering from COVID. Well, you know, it's it's
1: such a bizarre period for all of us. Um, First of all, yes, this experience with COVID was not really funny. Um, Every human being react very differently to the infection. Uh, on my side you know it was just a, a full week of fever and not be able to move and when I said not be able to move I say that seriously not even shaving so it's it's really nasty thing and then you need 2-3 uh, weeks to recover from this uh, enormous enormous fatigue but thank god no complication and um, so that's, that's a, an experience by itself but what is um, uh, look uh, uh, I must say that I cannot stop thinking of my younger colleagues uh, who are starting their career, who may have uh, struggled with uh, financial issues, and uh, who were really counting on this uh, uh, season to make a big breakthrough. Or, or no, they, they, this is heartbreaking. Um, and um, so, you know, this time has passed for me. I, I can live a, a, a few years. Without any too much uh, uh, trouble, so I I feel really really fortunate. Uh, But um, I I I really have a lot of uh, compassion for 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 my younger colleagues or 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 freelance musicians. Let's take a a city like London, for example. When you have all these incredible freelance musicians uh, going, you know, playing on Monday with uh, the Philharmonia on Thursday with the London Philharmonic and. and uh, he with the LSO on Sunday, and and so, you know, that's that's really Absolutely. that's tough. That's tough. So we we have to hope for the best, and uh, and 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 in a way, take the, the the be philosophical a little bit about that, and um, and, um, and 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 leave as a, as a as a retreat, as a false retreat, in order to either do other things or to do things that you could not do before. Or, um, you know, what, what is very strange for, for, for me is, is the non-travelling, even more than the non-playing. That's very funny. Interesting. But, uh, but uh, it's very strange for me to, to to sleep in the same bed for, for, for now a couple of months, <laughs> even more, and, um, and not, uh, you know, changing cities three times a week. Of course. This is, um, this is a little bit... Uh, uh, disturbing, you know, like, like as if you shift, like my, my, my cab driver who used to to take me to a Charles de Gaulle's every time and he's working at night and now he's working at day because of course there is no work at night and so for 25 years you work at night and now you work at day so it's very bizarre and it's a lot of uh, so it's a little bit the same here with, without the, the traveling but the spirit is good and we have to keep it good otherwise uh, we just kill ourselves and that's not what, uh, what the music needs uh, the music needs us even more than ever I think and uh, that's if I want to give a message to the younger generation is, is this. Now, the younger generation have, have, has somehow the power to make music die, really. If, if, if young musicians of, of your age and younger uh, don't devote themselves even more to music than, than before, uh, we are facing, I think, a crisis that is, um, that's, if you want to be really pessimistic, that the, the music can indeed, die in our society. Already the place it has shrinks drastically uh, every year, but um, now it's really your goal to hold this art and to to hold it with both hands as high as possible and to defend it almost. I'm using the word defending because uh, there is a lot of, um, let's say, not attacks, but the interest and uh, and the and the general uh, 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 public has less and less and less interest in our art so you you have a huge huge responsibility
0: absolutely in talking about where music is right now where it could go you know we're having a lot of issues of what is the proper way to perform i mean we have a lot of broadcasted concerts but Do you think that the way recitals are given, the way orchestra concerts are given, where it's a lot of music, I mean, recitals and and orchestral concerts have been in around the two hour range, an hour and a half to two hour range for quite some time. Do you think the the way concerts are performed in that regard, once we go back to normalcy or whatever normalcy is, do you think that will change or is it an opportunity to change?
1: Well, true enough that the the, the format of of uh, concerts change over the over the time, for the need of uh, uh, public and and musicians. Um, the fact that we have now uh, thousands and thousands, millions of hours of music recorded uh, right on our finger uh, uh, tip, you know, with your phone and with all the the media we know. Uh, change the rapport with, of course, the, the change the rapport that the public has with the performer. Um, possible. I mean, there are some some new um, um, experiences made already. Uh, I'm referring to a wonderful festival in France called La Folle Journée, the Crazy Day, hmm. which is organized by a, a, a visionary. Uh, Organizer, René Martin, uh, since about uh, well, third I don't want to say, but maybe thirty years, um, and he invented his his dream was to create a, a, a festival of classical music, with the same spirit and the same energy and the same freedom and the same craziness as a rock uh, festival, and um, he created. Um, in the same building uh, in Nantes, in Palais des Congrès, he founded ten possible location. I mean, of course, two were very obvious. One is the two thousand seats concert hall, and the other, the other one is a smaller eight hundred concert hall. But um, in this big building, which is a, a, a congress of, I mean, a, a building of, of congress of meetings, uh, um, eight others. Um, 8 other uh, uh, places where he could have concerts the smallest has 50 seats uh, but more some of them have roughly you know, 100, 200 seats and then um, propose very short program, and that's where um, my answer comes very short program of 45 minutes but simultaneously so all these 10 venues, so to speak, in the same building, under the same roof, offer concerts from 9 o'clock to midnight every hour. Therefore, uh, you can go from one concert to another and listen, if you want to, to almost uh, more
0: than 12 hours of music. You get your fill. Um, pardon? You get your fill of music that way.
1: Exactly. It's, a, it's a four, three, four days. And there is always a theme. For example, what was extraordinary when he had a theme like Bach in 2000, you could hear the Harbour Messe played by three or four different orchestras in the same day. Wow. One baroque, one one uh, contemporary, uh, 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 one very full-size uh, orchestra, and, and another arrangement of uh, other groups. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary, and it has... Uh, it's it's a massive success. We are speaking about over one hundred thousand tickets sold every year, and of course, this idea now is exported. In I mean, was exported uh, in many cities um, like um, well, uh, Lisbon, um, Bilba- has Bilbao, Bilbao, Lisbon, Tokyo. Tokyo is on even on the larger scale, has more three hundred thousand tickets sold. Wow! And um, and so. Now, this is, and, and tickets are usually cheaper. Uh, it started very, very cheap, at the, so 20 years ago. Now it's a little bit more expensive. But nevertheless, the idea was to have uh, a, a music for, for everybody and with a, a little bit of pedagogical sense in the way that each uh, festival has a really, as a theme, one or two composers. Or a group of comf- of composers, if he has the French school or or the Czech schools or something. But if you have a massive composer as Beethoven or or or, or like, like last year and and, uh, and 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 Bach, I mean this year and or Bach in 2000. Uh, so one composer is um, uh, strong enough and has, uh, of course, an output big enough to hold uh, and to be able to to be presented in in four days. Anyway, so that's that's a very good. Um, uh, solution um, it's very possible that concerts will definitely go in the direction of short, be shorter than, it, than they are I doubt people will have the time, the energy or even the uh, sense of concentration to mm-hmm. hear more than uh, one hour and a half, two hours of music today yeah, of and course. as as things are going very fast, so it's possible that soon we, you will have concerts of one hour or even one piece, and um, that um, that. I mean, I I, I remember um, trying to put a series uh, of 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 um, recitals where a contemporary piece would be played twice. Thank you. That uh, is because, the
0: best. That is because the best I think
1: way. yes, I think. Uh, 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 you know, when you hear a piece, you don't know. And especially in the language, you don't know. You might be completely lost. Exactly. And and you might even not knowing what's going on. And so you don't know also how long the piece is going to be, despite the fact that it's written on the program. And uh, so you feel like a little bit like driving a car where instead of the red light, uh, to, in order to stop, you have kind of a, a, a pinkish light, and instead of the green, you have a square white, and so you don't know if you should start, if you should go. I mean, all the, 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 the signals are changed, and, and uh, yes, basically you are in a tunnel. So therefore, by hearing it a second time, uh, at least you, you can remember how it starts, but you will definitely remember how it's finished, how the piece finished. Maybe not everything in between, especially if the piece is rather long. But uh, but uh, and if you have some explanation from the composer or from the from the performer in between, or even before the first, and uh, and put between the two performances, they don't need to be back to back. Some other pieces, more uh, I mean not I mean known known pieces because you cannot ask a public to hear only contemporary music. Uh, which I think that was the the, the problem uh, contemporary music festivals in the 80s had oh, at least definitely. at least in this country, and uh, we have to admit that the gap between um, between the contemporary music and the and the and the public has in a way increased in in drastic proportion. I mean I had a conversation not later than yesterday with the, the person at the head of the Radio Classique in France, and they were broadcasting my recital of Verbier, which I was very proud of, I mean, very happy and honored about, and in, in which this program, I played Haydn, Schumann, many things, including the notation of Pierre Boulez.
0: You played all and, 12 in concert with Haydn? Yes.
1: Fantastic. and uh, And, uh, and uh, they were played only once in the, this program, but together with other Prokofiev and Ravel, many other pieces. But I was also introducing the pieces. And it was a great success during the concert because people, people like to hear the performer, especially if the performer had the, the immense chance to work with the composer, which was my case in the case of, of the, the notation. And even I had some lovely little um, funny anecdotes. Anyway, uh, um, I, something I really loved, to do. And usually, when I speak about the notation, the story is short, as you know, 12, 12 pieces in eight minutes. And it works very well. Now, when they broadcast this at the Radio Classica, they took out the, the notation. Oh, so my goodness. I, I, I asked, I ask, but you did that because. What is, and he said, Jean Flamme, you have no idea how fast our uh, uh, listeners drop when they hear uh, contemporary music. It drops Mm. 90%. So 90% of the people who are listening Radio Classic, which is a radio specialized in classical music. So the people who go to that channel are already, they know what they expect, right? As soon as they hear uh, dissonance music, they shut down. Immediately. 90% of them.
0: It's, It's astounding because... You know, we've talked about new music in the past. Uh, when we the, the week we first met, um, mm. I mean, because that's uh, an area I very, very, very much am passionate about, and it's it's quite upsetting because, as you know, we can't. You mentioned before about my generation, the younger generation, not letting music die. I think condemning it to this museum of of the past without recognizing the ways we as a species have tried to progress it forward. It's, it's vital to it surviving, especially through a situation like this. It's a living, yes. breathing art form.
1: Yes, absolutely living. And this this problem of writing too complex music is was always there. Absolutely. I was reading a letter of, of Leopold Mozart asking his son not to write too complex music so that everybody could enjoy. <laughs> and of course he could earn more money because they might uh, ask him another performance of that of, of the piece. And, and uh, I mean, who would think of Mozart as something difficult to hear today? Right? Exactly. Um, uh, but at exactly. that time, at that time, it was not obvious. Now, the thing is that in reaction to this really hard music, uh uh but but which I think has immense beauty, but it's not a beauty that is extremely attractive. You need to go to it. And I'm speaking about now the the, the composers like you know Stockhausen, Kagel, uh uh Boulez uh, and, and and this generation. Um the, 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 which which for us we were attracted to for us I mean musicians we were attracted to but took us even us specialized let's say uh, uh, or highly qualified to to enjoy it took us some some effort Certainly. to 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 learn and and to uh, uh, bec- but because we believed and we could see through we could see that this is music composed by musicians with a larger view, or with a, a, a view above, uh, above us, we could recognize recognize that there are some, some musical interaction that we never thought about, and, and let's say they were a visionary uh, uh, person, right? Absolutely. Very very good. Now, uh, it's true enough that the gap, the music was so complex and so difficult, and I'm, and I'm speaking with all the love I have for, for the music of Stockhausen and, and Boulez and so on. But we have to admit that this music didn't make it through popularity or, so to speak, even, even you know, it's, it's not played anymore.
0: If anything, it's anti-popular. It's yes. so ardently against that notion.
1: Now, I have another bad news. <laughs> I have another bad news. <laughs> Do tell. And the bad news is that many times um, while hearing a concert, uh, uh, you heard, and I'm not, don't ask me any names. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, we're getting hear, the real
0: gossip.
1: Yeah, no, but here music composed by serious composers uh, or in the young generation, and this music sounded to me like soundtrack, more or less inspired good soundtrack of film music.
0: Yes, yes, definitely.
1: And this was presented in concert hall as a new generation and a new language. Now, I think this is a very bad news, because this music I heard, the music I heard, uh, but I'm not speaking about one example, only. I'm um, several examples, didn't bring anything new to me. I don't mind that it's tonal, I don't mind that it's pleasing, but I want to hear something new. I want the composer to take me somewhere where I cannot go alone, otherwise... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Know, I, I, then you so, can do
0: it on your on your own. But yes.
1: And, and I, I, I was making almost like a theory of the fact that in the 40s, in the 50s, the great music written for, mus- for movies were really inspired by the music written just before the music of Stravinsky, of Bartók.
0: And, and uh, it was written by of, the of, best of Maninot, it, it
1: was, And it was really fantastically written. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it was, it, but, but you could feel that this composer, in order to create some atmosphere, uh, were um, inspired by the serious music. And now I found the opposite. I found that some of the serious composers inspired by atmospheric music and just want to please, so to speak the ears of the listeners. And I don't think that's a good news either.
0: Definitely, because then it gives this false image. And also, going back to film, I mean, let's let's face it, some of the best film composers of all time were just some of the best composers. I mean, Corn technically, <laughs> a, f- a film composer, technically, and it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Shostakovich wrote oh, film music. Prokofiev wrote film music. And then you, you go to, you know, soundtracks of short films. I mean, the music of Lester Young was used in uh, in a, a short film, an Academy Award-winning short film. Um, it's it's this continuity, I think, is what's lacking. And that's actually mm-hmm. the main topic of what I wanted to talk to you about today. So we talked about Boulez, who is a hero of mine, an ardent hero of mine. Um uh, I want to start with a broad topic because you're someone who's recorded the complete works of Rabel, Debussy, and uh, we also have someone. I also want to speak about Massenet. Mm-hmm. What is French music to you? Oh, that's a conversation,
1: I, I, a very interesting conversation I had with my uh, dear friend, Jan pascal Tortelier, with whom we recorded the the uh, Ravel concertos and the Debussy Fantasy and did all the things together, and um, what is actually yes, kind of trademark of, I think it's the harmony. Two things: harmony and proportions. Hmm. Um, there is always something, and you find that also in the in other art form like. Um, uh, Architecture. Absolutely. There is always something quite of quite a, of uh, research for perfection uh, in the in the French architecture cuisine and uh, as
0: well. pardon cuisine as well.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, certainly, um, and um, and a perfection and of of proportions and something which is never um, in, in a in a controlled way, which is never. Too, too much mm-hmm. of anything, um, and so that's interesting because we are, of course, of a more Latin um, uh, temperament, but um, we we don't have this immense gift for beauty as the Italians have, <laughs> uh, uh, of pure beauty, uh, but uh, but sometimes not not terribly well organized. Yes, uh, so it's 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 almost beauty coming without with, without effort. Uh, no, the French calculate. The French um, make plans. The French um, uh, um, think ahead and um and probably it's it's this kind of um i mean of course if you think of just Foray, ravel debussy to name the three greatest um their 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 harmony their sense of uh, of um creating let's say transparent and expressing a lot of things but not with the same Uh, let's say um, uh, it's difficult to describe I wanted to make an opposition with the German or the Russian sensibility which is in a way much more open much more extraverted
0: absolutely Uh,
1: the French has a surface surface of perfection of uh, the French music has a surface of perfection of almost uh, superficiality and and you need just to to attune yourself in order in order, and that's what I think is fascinating to find a really like lava infusion behind above this surface of ice and uh, and rather cold or cool uh, um, uh, so, yes so surface, but under it it's it's pure lava. It's pure. I mean, that's how I describe the
0: music of Debussy, definitely. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Debussy is, is someone who, I think, more than most composers, was always, always, always ahead of the curve and very, very cognizant of what was happening around him. I mean, let's, let's start at the beginning. I mean, Peleas. I mean, Peleas was taking more or less an, an extension of Parsifal the decade prior, and then he hears the gamelan and incorporates that sound. And then by the time you get to the, you know, the unfinished sonatas, uh, you get this, it's a completely different, always modern view. Yeah. Yes, it, it, you, I'm, I'm, of course. I was expecting
1: you to use the word "modern" and "revolutionary," but the fact is that Debussy himself never considered himself
0: exactly, as,
1: exactly. as a revolutionary. For him, he was it was just continuing the music of of uh, of Schumann, <laughs> of Mozart, of Liszt, and um, yeah, and and in a way, he escaped, of course, the influence of uh, Richard Wagner, yeah. thanks oh. to. To Eric Satie, but uh, as you say, uh, even um, it's very interesting that for me, two of the most powerful, I'm I'm speaking emotionally, musicians, composers like Wagner or Debussy are using completely different musical technique. Exactly. Uh, 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 Wagner is painting with a big brush. I mean, just the first theme of Parsifal you just mentioned is two minutes long. The first theme, the yes. first introduction, where where Debussy most of his music is two minutes long. Most of his pieces he wrote, pieces he wrote, were only two minutes long. <laughs> so Debussy is using a very small brush, very small uh, gesture, but the accumulations of these mm-hmm. gestures and the way they interact with each other create a tension, I think, of Wagnerian proportions.
0: Absolutely, and. Hmm. And going back to your point about harmony, I mean going through the history of French music, I mean Traité des Rameaux. That's that's mm-hmm. literally the Bible of harmony is coming from French Baroque music. And I think that Debussy progressed it so, so much. I mean, look at Je. That's always the example I bring up because Je was so revolutionary and I hate to use the cliche. Um but then you also again you go to the the sonatas, the 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 études at the end he's going back to old forms well the études and jeu is basically exactly the same exactly, music exactly exactly uh,
1: uh, uh, and it's not because uh, you know i wrote the transcription of je but you <laughs> just need to 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 hear to hear it played on piano and 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 the the, the connection is 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 absolutely mind-boggling uh, even myself before writing this transcription i i totally underestimate this this uh... so that's one of the good aspects of any transcription is that it makes you make connections in the of of pieces that you may not have thought about now what is really revolutionary about Jeu is its its uh, its shape its form the fact that the music continuously develops itself never almost never go back uh, the the concept of recapitulation of development is it's completely gone. gone exactly completely gone um, and the, the, the only problem we we must have we must admit with that is is the piece finished you don't remember anything exactly except 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 a wonderful uh, that you went from wonderful moment to wonderful moment. I mean I can tell you it, it it never happened with any other pieces than Je. At the time I was writing my transcription, I was living with Je. Twelve hours per day. I, 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 I knew the piece upside down. Actually I even could play and I did that play in concerts for memory uh, on, on, on two hands only. My transcription is written for four hands, for, for two pianos. But I did I played played jeu for memory many, many times. I mean just to tell you how involved I was in the piece. Now, listen Stefano, when I was thinking of a passage in jeu, I could never find it at first
0: amazing and that's a piece I, uh, you were living with living on yes yes
1: i mean look look, look, look. take any sonatas take any beethoven sonatas you think of a passage right there you know where it is where it stands in the in the t- entire form but with you when i was thinking of the passage i i i, had, I always had to search a, a, a couple of times isn't it interesting
0: Absolutely. And also the form, mm. the, 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 the texture you used for the transcription, two pianos, that's so Debussy that, I mean, look at, yeah. uh, I mean, look at what he was writing at the same time. Wasn't, wasn't En Blanc Noir around Yes, the same exactly.
1: Time? Um, exactly. But, you know, I was, I was really lucky because there is actually a letter that he wrote to Durand, his publisher, uh, where he says, I am finishing a transcription of Jeu for Two Pianos. Huh. And so obviously he had, an, uh, you know, when you write a piece, when you write a transcription for two pianos, it means you are thinking in terms of concert stage. One piano is for rehearsal for the ballet. As yeah. you know, Joe is yeah, a ballet. Exactly. So you need, you need a support for the yeah. choreographer and the ballet to learn their movements. Of course, at that time, there were no recording. So you need to have a, pia- one, a two-hands version. But when you write a, f- a f- two-pianos version, it means you are thinking in terms of playing it for concerts, for a public. So uh, um, in a way, I was happy to read that, and in a way, I was praying that this score—and now it's still never found anywhere. Otherwise, of course, it would have completely jeopardized my my work. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's probably something that he had an idea about and and, and wanted to, uh, to 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 have it. Uh, he, he wrote uh, uh, just on two original pieces for. Um, for two pianos. It's En Blanc et Noir and, and Linda Raja, which has a little bit of uh, sp- Spanish influence. But, uh, oh, oh, sorry, he wrote also the Sit Auriculaire.
0: No, excuse me, that's
1: Ravel. No, 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 sorry, that's Ravel. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, um, but, um, but, yeah, the, the Epigraph Antique, that's an arrangement. Epigraph, of course, of yes. course. Uh, and then yeah. you yeah. go back all the way to the beginning the B minor symphony, that we only have the first movement, the, the hands. Oh, why well, you are well informed. Ha. Huh? Oh, I yes. I love WC so much. Uh... Uh, but no, it's it's so fascinating. And that's that's something I, I also want to talk in the same context of continuity and seeing where people go. You've really released some incredible Beethoven recordings. And I have to thank oh, you for them. Thank you. This year, the record that you released of of composers not Beethoven but ancillary to Beethoven, the Beethoven connection. So you have Clementi, you have Human, you have Wölfe. This was a fantastic experience to listen to because it was so so illuminating. So I just wanted to see what what was your experience because as we know, Beethoven adored Clementi's piano writing and by some accounts more than Mozart. What what was your experience in picking these pieces? In in doing well, research. Yes, I- I, I can tell, I'm happy it's, it's interesting for
1: you because for me it was absolutely, uh, uh, as you said, illuminating. And, uh, and I remember very well going back after spending months playing not, not Beethoven, <laughs> but composer of, of his time. And uh, I, I put Haydn and, and Mozart in that category as well. And uh, remember uh, working on Beethoven sonatas. I didn't touch Beethoven for I mean at least solo sonatas for for really a couple of years, which was very very strange for me. But anyway. And I remember coming back and t- telling one day to my wife how bizarre, how strange, strange I found some of the Beethoven sonatas. Some Absolutely. things some things that I always took for granted in the in the in the, in the for example in the Wallstein uh, or 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 in the, the opus thirty one number three uh or, or let's say the, the five sonatas I was working on at that time, things that I always took for granted suddenly sounded to me extraordinary sounded to me like like a completely provocative and i and I was disturbed <laughs> I almost felt like the contemporary of of beethoven the the who listened to himself. Uh, and to his music for the first time, and we're shocked, and we're uh, we're uh, a little bit as 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 we are now when we listen to a boulez piece. It means that your your um, your um, your way of of thinking musically is totally disturbed. And and let me tell you an example. For example, a yes, very please. small example, Opus Thirty One, Number Three. A-flat major sonata. I never realized that d- d- one of the most extraordinary features of that first movement is that the first two bars are exactly, exactly the same. I mean, exactly. Ba-da-dum. Exactly. Now, name me another piece of any composers where the two first bars are exactly the same and I'm not speaking about accompaniment figures, but really thematic material two bars I can't yes. tell you
0: but like uh, I, my brain went to tombeau the, the phrase repeating and then going on but it's not two measures this is exactly two measures the first yes, two bars the, and, and, you mean the tombeau you. de Couperin exactly Yes and that's a accompaniment figure exactly, so to speak. Exactly.
1: I mean it's filigrane, it's not a, a theme that has to stick in your ears. Uh, the only thing I could remember I could think of and it's not exactly to measure I- either is the beginning of the um, 271 the Genami concerto that we we, we used mm. to call genom uh, 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 and and the ti the... pa where you have twice exactly the same and, but that's the closest I could get. So, mm. Stefano, I'm I'm ready. Or if our listeners have, I'm, I'm ready to have any any suggestion of anything. Another thing, another thing I remarked is that Beethoven never used the famous Mozartian rhythm, pam 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 pam, pam that we find everywhere, especially around seventeen between seventeen, 17 seventy nine and, and um, 1786, all the, the concertos Mozart wrote at that time, but also you find that rhythm in Hummel, you find that in, in, in Wolfel, in Clementi, in, in many, 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 many others. Uh, Haydn, of course. It's probably Haydn who invented it first. And obviously it's a rhythm which was so popular. And so, yes, I had such success that Mozart used it at a point of sometimes even some of his movements, two-thirds of the piece are, have this rhythm mm-hmm. in, in in their in their bar. So it means you you have you have uh, only one third of them. Uh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm 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 saying the opposite. It's one third of the of the of the movements who have this rhythm. It means that only 2 of the of the bars written don't have it so it's it's an enormous proportion if you think of a rhythm, so is we speak about the rhythm of uh, Allegro four four and i was thinking it's probably even like like a swing uh, uh the, yeah, there's you know, a, sort a of rhythm yes, that yes right. and 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 it's a rhythm that everyone everybody can rely to and it's it says it says it all let's say everything is in the rhythm right. Uh, you think about rock and roll. You, you know it's rhythm first. You think about swing, it's rhythm. You think about bossa nova, it's rhythm, rhythm. So uh, rhythm first. And I was re- thinking it's probably something like that at, uh, at that uh, of that period. But what is very interesting is Beethoven, the master of rhythm. We can really call him the first master of rhythm
0: in music history.
1: Never used that.
0: No. And that's so. It's it's quite interesting. I'm sure you've read it. Uh, Rhythmic Gesture in Mozart uh, by uh, Wendy Allenbrook. Fantastic book, going through these characteristic rhythms and their the the social implications of a lot of these rhythms in the in. Oh, I'm
1: super interested. No, I didn't know. Thank oh, you for a, telling it's me. It's a
0: fantastic book, Rhythmic Gesture in Mozart, uh, and also Classic Music by Leonard Ratner. Both incredible reads, uh, mm. basically going through rhythmic and for the Ratner, some harmonic dwellings of Mozart and his contemporaries and what the sociological implications of these rhythms are. Uh, and you go, that characteristic rhythm you mentioned, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I think my first is, is the, the A minor sonata. That's immediately where my mind goes, because you get such a natural development of that rhythm where it starts into this florid writing. Uh, and yeah, I but think you
1: you have it in in four fifty one, in four fifty two, exactly, exactly, uh, I mean, uh, in four in four. Uh, uh, yes, and and I mean almost all Mozart uh, uh, four five three. Exactly, exactly. and also marriage of Figaro. Dun, 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 dun. You, you have it. I mean, basically a, a, everywhere in the 44. Four. Exactly. And I it, mean, it's when the chorus
0: comes in in marriage of figure. That's the rhythm that's coming in exactly also procession
1: and, and and maybe you have it a little bit in beethoven first piano concerto but still not not as it's only as accompaniment figure not as as um, and it's very shadow it's overshadowed by the entire uh, texture of the orchestra usually it's the trumpets who are playing this rhythm or, or uh, but some in in the in the piano concerto i mean of beethoven but it pfft, It's all almost none. I mean, it's interesting. Now, what I'm very interested is uh, about the rhythm in Mozart, because, and that's why I'm I'm going to buy that book immediately. Oh, Uh, fantastic! uh, 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 Because I really, really think that Beethoven was the first composer in music history who took as an independent, uh, uh, independent from the melody, independent from the harmony, certainly rhythm and took, took uh, put the rhythm at another level of 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 uh, yes of um, of uh, independence um, uh, with with the with the harmony with the harmony tension
0: definitely and in the therefore when of-
1: when you want when you want to sing uh, you know this famous uh, uh, um, play that you can do between uh, musicians where you uh, or between music lovers um you don't in order you, you need to recognize the piece and you just clap the rhythm,
0: yeah, exactly
1: right now. You can do that very easily, and most of the case, you will end up playing all Beethoven pieces because the signature of, of a Beethoven rhythm, a Beethoven theme is actually the rhythm. Definitely. And but if you do the opposite by not uh, do the rhythm but only uh, sing the melody without
0: rhythm, it's unrecognizable, it's not exactly so you cannot you don't go anywhere this was actually a topic i was super super interested in when i was in undergraduate and i actually wrote a paper on beethoven's music using poetic meter and poetic characteristic rhythms um in the symphonies and i i think that really Oh, send it to me oh maybe Mm -hmm. maybe i was maybe 20 years old seven eight years ago um it's it's I think the most important quality, like you said, but I also think there's an element of structural rhythm, not just on the microscopic scale, but on the macroscopic scale, you see it uh, in Beethoven, where r- rhythm is uh, a natural part of harmony for Beethoven in ways that on the smaller scale for other composers, not so much. I mean, look at, look at, I mean, the classic example is Eroica in the first movement, where you lose the sense of where the meter is. Exactly, you lose Mm -hmm. the sense of what is what is a downbeat anymore. When, but this is due this is due to the harmonic tension. Exactly, and that is it's propagated by the rhythm. I think the rhythm is it's infecting almost every aspect of it. And like you Mm -hmm. said, Beethoven wasn't the best melodist in the conventional sense, where you can isolate and hum the theme. But it is absolutely Part of the music, just this sort of supporting role. Whereas in Italian music, which you mentioned before, where it's sort of this raw beauty, it's almost like unrefined yet refined at the same time. Where it's simplicity, melodic and accompaniment. Period. Uh, mm-hmm. Beethoven, not so much. Beethoven. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of um. It's like adding butter to the meal. It's not. It's not the the protein. It's not the meat itself. The meat. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, is the rhythm. It's the harmony. Mm-hmm. So, in tackling the concerti, how do you how do you res- how, first of all let's go through this whole process of recording all of the Beethoven concerti for a single release, as well as the quintet, which is fantastic, by the way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you approach an ensemble with this? How how were those rehearsals like to differentiate and also getting the sense of continuity between all things?
1: Uh, well, it's it's a pro- project I really wanted to 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 do not. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, frustration I could have with with conductors, you know. Not I had some of the most absolutely joyful and and great time with with conductors uh, um, with whom you know you you get along well and and you enrich and you give energy uh, to each other. I'm of course thinking. Uh, even more of uh, of um, my friend uh, Gabor Takacsnagy, with whom I'm doing the the Mozart, the Mozart concertos. concertos. But but uh, but yes. But uh, um, um, you know, the, my, my my very last uh, performance with, with San Francisco Symphony with Christian Reif when when you really you, you get along and you, and you and so well that you are really playing the same piece. So Absolutely. this is was uh, my my intention to. Um, to do it without conductor was not at all based on any frustration of any kind. Uh, it was just done on a very egoistic <laughs> pleasure <laughs> to have to have the musician around me and to see them while playing and to communicate on an absolutely direct way. My uh, little um, experiences experience in uh, in uh, playing and conduct uh, um, is able me to, to tell something which is, I think, very true. You take out the conductor, and in that case, you immediately, uh, the musicians playing in the orchestra have more responsibility.
0: Definitely.
1: And they have, they have more responsibility, they have more room for creativity, and, and they must listen to each other. Much more, in in a way, um, in other words, it's a it's a very good uh, um, way to to increase the level of the orchestra by playing sometimes, not always, but sometimes without conductor, because really you need to to have to have more attention to each other. And um, and you are sitting in a way more on the edge of your seat because you know you need to be alert. You cannot chamber
0: music from across the room.
1: Yes, you cannot rely on somebody who is exactly telling you, uh, uh, as great as it is, uh, what to do, when, and how. So uh, um, so this is uh, one aspect. The second aspect is you were mentioning rehearsals. Of course, when you play and conduct at the same time, the number of rehearsals are increased. Um, uh, you, you usually have more rehearsal because you need to attune more, and there is a kind of protocol that you need to create between the first violin and you, who is going to lead when, yep. and uh, and for the other musicians to be able to see him and to, to yeah. So that's increases, of course the level of the performance the more real soul you have you oh, know of course of course so, <laughs> so there's a bit
0: of strategy
1: in there yes and 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 then and of course facing the musicians because i always put the musician the piano you know in in the middle of the orchestra so my back to the to the public um is is an is really an, an immense joy and um and so when you you play with musicians that understand you where you want to go i never present myself as a, as a uh, as a conductor but I, but just a musician who has a, a, a few ideas or at least, let's say few musical goals and um i try my best to communicate um to them uh, and um and 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 so usually most of the time it's it's really great experiences. But I'm happy it came out that well because with the Swedish Chamber Orchestra we immediately um, clicked, and uh, I knew exactly where I wanted to go, um, in terms of of, of course tempos and energy. And as it is a small ensemble, uh, well small ensembles, 35, um, you have six seconds, six second. Um, I was um, really focusing on the let's say. Definitely the rhythmical, rhythmical drive, drive we were speaking about, Beethoven, earlier, and the kind of fluidity in the, in the slow movement. Uh, and um, so very possibly um, some listeners may find the slow movements too fast. I, mean, I, I would admit that. But, uh, but for me, um, considering the size of the orchestra, and the, and the flow, so that's really where I wanted to go. So I'm, I'm very pleased with the results, but I admit it might not please everybody, of course.
0: Well, I'm <laughs> someone. I, as soon as I heard them, I messaged you and I said this was an incredible record. And the the continuity again, going back to the rhythm, but the intensity, the drive, and it's it's so cerebral your performance of it. I it I hear the thoughts immediately, the connective tissue it, as it's being uncovered. Uh, even even in the the cadential moments, you you get that sense of of overarching again intensity drive exactly as you were describing, and it feels like chamber music. It's it feels like the way it was almost meant to be played and meant to be written. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm flattered with what you say. We no, can it's always true. we can only only speculate. The most important that it it should not be boring. That's for oh, sure.
0: <laughs> and also the the lean the lean sound I think adds immensely to it, even mm. when playing with a modern instrument, where mm. obviously the sound production is is much greater than instruments. You know, I many. dedicate
1: this this uh, this um, uh, triple album to to. Uh, to Paul Badu-Rascoda, who passed away, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will never forget, for me, the way he... Uh, uh, and I think everybody who was at Théâtre des Champs-Élysées that year, I think it's 83 or something, when he played the first uh, concerto of Beethoven. And it was, for me, absolutely a revelation by the fact that... Um, so, as you know, uh, Paul Badu-Rascoda was one of the first um, uh, pianists to play on period an instrument of, of, of the time of haydn beethoven he was himself a big collectioner of, of piano he had pianos he had like 50 pianos i was i was told and uh, but at that concert he played on a on a modern um, instrument i suppose it was a steinway but what we heard the way he was treating his this instrument what we heard was not a romantic piano that was a piano. His clarity and his use of, of, of his very sp- sporadic use of pedal and the way he was balancing his hands, uh, uh, what we heard was was almost a modern replica of an instrument of uh, of the nineteenth century. You see, so it it it, it was really uh, revelatory for me. I will never forget this this concert. And that's my my goal. And that's why also why I record. Uh, um, uh, the Haydn sonatas on on the modern instrument uh, Yamaha, which is actually the same Yamaha as, as using for the for many recordings now, and um, because I think it has this clarity and this sharpness and this lightness of touch, um, which uh, suits this music very well.
0: Definitely, I mean, I think of the performers who I listen to the most on period instruments. I'm thinking you know, Malcolm Bilson, Bob Levin, Mm -hmm. but exactly what you said, the people who are inspired by the research still on modern instruments, that is so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And in talking about Beethoven and in talking about someone who, obviously, harmony, rhythm, intensity, clarity are massive focal points. We can't go without talking about someone else you've recorded extensively, Stravinsky. And I, I wanted to get your, your perspective because you go from Petrushka to the movements, (laughs) uh, incredible differences. And obviously you get the, the Webern influences, um, in serialist Stravinsky. But I was, I was curious as your, as from your perspective, having played all of his works for piano and orchestra, um. I myself I I've played Petrushka myself it is a favorite of mine I've conducted it it's a it's a it's a masterpiece and I I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm indebted to Stravinsky for having written it What is your take on his developments because he's also someone with three very distinct styles and periods as was Beethoven
1: Yes probably even more <laughs> probably even more uh, uh, yes he's he's a, a very strong example of a music language, which uh, changed so much. Mo- I mean, you can almost not recognize uh, uh, Stravinsky in uh, in uh, if you don't know in the movement in the in the uh, Puccinella uh, uh, Rite of Spring and 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 some of his uh, uh, piano etudes, um, which are almost like late Scriabin. Uh, um, so. It's a, it's a composer who was actually, I mean, who was probably uh, very always interested in in, in changing, in uh, in um, in research. I think he's one of the smartest uh, composer. Um, Haydn, Stravinsky, Debussy are composers that really play with your with your mind in a way. Um, there is always a, a, a feeling of, <laughs> and that might be very <laughs> um, 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 vain uh, to me, but I always have the feeling to be, in a way, more clever when I hear a Stravinsky piece <laughs> than than when I hear a Tchaikovsky piece. Oh, it's uh,
0: certainly there. Absolutely. Tchaikovsky, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I don't want to say, I mean, I, I easily cry and actually I did in my kitchen not long ago hearing Bernstein conducting the fifth Tchaikovsky symphony. I was literally crying because uh, it was so powerful and so beautiful. So it, but there is something emotional. Uh, if I cry in a, in a Stravinsky piece, it will be because I'm amazed of the, of the power, of the intellectual power of that music. You see? And the fact that he, he, he makes me feel clever <laughs> but uh, uh, um, um, he he was not afraid of of changing radically uh, f- from different styles um Bartok of course changed a lot during his his uh, his composition career um, his first pieces sounded more like strauss. The BC, um, and 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 at, of course, at the mid, then he found his language, and then um, you know he, he goes very far in the violins, uh, uh, sonatas in the in the uh, uh, mandarin, in the, the miraculous mandarin, in in the, the bluebird castle, and 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 then. After that, creates music even more, uh, the, the, the sonate for two pianos, uh, the, and then later the concerto, and then after that, uh, with a, a kind of resignation, uh, encompasses all th- so three centuries of music in his third piano concerto. Stravinsky is, is even more radical. He, find, he loved, suddenly he fell in, in love with the dodecaphonism, he writes a piece, you know, in completely uh, dodecaphonist style, and uh, as you say, you cannot think of Stravinsky. You think of Webern. Uh,
0: uh, or, uh, or, um, yes. And um, we have to thank Robert Kraft for that influence because Stravinsky... Super. I think, I think the, like you said, he, he wasn't afraid to change his style, but I think... Not afraid at all. But I think there was a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of fear. And I think it's, it's very telling that he only wrote his serialist pieces after the death of Schoenberg. Ah. I think it's a little ah, bit good point. Tell. I think it's a very, little bit very, of a tell there. Very um, very good point. Very good point. But also also Stravinsky's use of colour, of orchestration, and I'm not talking about the, the Rimsky Korsakov influence, mm. which is obviously there in the early I mean fireworks, uh, uh Firebird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the very early works. I'm talking like you mentioned Pulcinella, I I mean it's it's a reorchestration, you know, traditionally of Pergolesi, but it's the trio sonata of Domenico Gallo. It's a literal reorchestration of the, the G major trio. Um, yes, his ear for but, color is so unique.
1: Oh yes, but in, in, in the in the in the in the capriccio, and, and the, even if in, when he's using only brass, and the, this use of of, of tampani, um, and of course all this this super complex. A, a polyrhythmic, uh, superimposed uh, uh, rhythmic that, of course, we 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 know in in the Rite of Spring, and the, and that you have also in the in the concerto for for uh, winds and uh, and a brass and, and and piano. I I think it's it's it's. I mean, you can you can get. I, when I was signing this CD, I said, "Please don't listen to it at night because you will not. You know, it's like the three espresso. It's so <laughs> so exciting, so exciting. Especially that, the, uh, the,
0: the the piano and winds concerto. That's ah, that's another level, I think, even for Stravinsky.
1: And this this um, attitude of uh, uh, take it or leave it. You know, I'm I'm I I know I'm writing dissonance. I know I'm writing uh, sounds that are not obviously very sensual uh, or, or, or very agreeable, but that's the way it should be. Uh, the door is open if you don't like this music. You know, it is a, this kind of intransigence, uh, we would say in, in, uh, in, uh, in French. Uh, like, yes, take or leave it. You don't like it, you are free to take to, to I, I, it. This radicality, I, I really adore. Definitely, And the precision. And the precision. It's, uh, I, I, yes, and I was very happy to, to be able to do this recording.
0: Well, it was certainly a fantastic experience to listen to, too. And uh, again, as someone who adores so much of the music of Stravinsky. But um, true enough that if
1: you... if I mean, <laughs> if you ask me to choose, you didn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, you ask, I, would never, if, I would never put if,
0: you on the spot like you, that. You, That's no, no, asking no, your no. favorite child.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, but uh, uh, let's say, uh, in a way... In Bartok's music, um, I found what I like in Stravinsky, but also more uh, Bartok's music can very easily, if not each time uh, is putting me in a state in an emotional state as well uh, that's the Stravinsky music doesn't uh, put me I, I adore Stravinsky uh, and you didn't ask me to choose. But true enough that really my heart melts when I hear uh, Bartok. I mean completely. We're, and I'm we're I'm overwhelmed spirits. I'm overwhelmed by by the the intellectual aspect of it, the the emotional aspect of it, what it creates. I mean I'm totally, totally
0: fulfilled. I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean I, uh, I taught a seminar on Stravinsky this summer and basically the conclusion I gave my students was we, we must recognize the immensity of Stravinsky, but we cannot go without these other composers. I'm thinking Bartók, Schoenberg, Webern, Berg. Berg is a master in and of himself. Yes,
1: yes. Now, but, now what, what, what is interesting is, I, I see your point, but we have to admit that for the general public, uh, Prokofiev and Stravinsky have their favor. And certainly not Bartok and Schoenberg.
0: Of course, for better or for mm. worse. Uh, mm-hmm. I think mm. I think Prokofiev was less diverse in terms of his color, but was not unafraid of tackling certain challenges. I mean, you go to the Sidian Suite, really music at the absolute edge of where, where Prokofiev, Prokofiev's harmonic language, rhythmic language. Um, Bartok, I think... I think there's less unity of the sounds that he made, but more continuity, if that makes sense. Because you looked, you listen to the three village scenes, that's a, that's a piece I adore, and it's very infrequently performed at Bartosz. Yes, very much. Uh, incredible music. It's a myth. It's, it's a near-operatic cantata, uh, but you get a sense of this belongs in the continuity with Miraculous Mandarin, with even pieces like Allegro Barbaro, for piano mm. um Prokofiev I think the pieces by themselves are more isolated but still within the same sort of temporal color language uh even the the classical symphony um it's it you you have the same sort of gestures well, with here.
1: Prokofiev, and I was very happy uh, uh, that um, uh, Vova, uh, so Vladimir Ashkenazi agreed w- with me, I, I, I said, I think for, I can resume the music of Prokofiev with uh, uh, several aspects that he always used. The, the fairy, the fairy aspect, the, 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 you know, understand when I say fairy? Yes, of course. The, um, what, what, is, what is not real, so the unreal world, um, dance
0: and virtuosity absolutely i mean how many times in prokofiev's career did he re-orchestrate the gavotte da 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 all over the place every i mean it's in it's in the first symphony he has a piano transcription he has it in romeo and juliet it's almost like that the dance aspect mm-hmm. um and this is sort of like in a brahmsian way of using the material from the past as a sort of method of construction for the present Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very think, good comparison, yeah? I mm-hmm. think there's, there's the same level of intellectual cleverness in Prokofiev that you get in Stravinsky, applied in a completely different way, though.
1: Yes. I mean, yes and no. I think somehow Prokofiev is more uh, rudimentaire, uh, uh, raw, in a way. Raw.
0: I can see that. I can see that.
1: A lit, little bit on, 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 on Stravinsky, there is really a, a, a point to uh, to um, to impress us by the by the cleverness by the the intellectual construction. In 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 uh, in uh, Prokofiev, he's more he's, in a way he's is almost. More Russian for me, sorry to speak. I mean, sorry to say, I don't know if it makes sense. Oh, definitely. Than, than, than Stravinsky.
0: I mean, even uh, the, the you go to the end, you go to Sinfonia Concertante, the, the cello concerto, you you still get that, that Russian pathos in there.
1: You know what was very interesting? Um, uh, I was asked to, to, to be a, a kind of mentor at the last uh, or the previous last uh, competition in in Calgary. That was very interesting. I was not in the jury that time. I was just, you know, uh, spending time with all the contestants. And um, um, why I'm telling you that? Because many of them told me that the fourth sonata and the ninth sonata of Prokofiev were among their favorite. Now, it's, (laughs) it's very interesting because my generation, nobody, nobody played the fourth of and, and the ninth sonata of Prokofiev. So I was just thinking, oh, that's interesting. How the 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 the, the repertoire uh, or, or the interest of of young pianists change over the over the
0: years. Oh, it's definitely fascinating. I mean, thankfully um, there are some people who have never gone away, but were never huge to begin with. I'm thinking of Scriabin, who's one of my absolute favorites, both. For piano and for orchestra. I mean, the fourth sonata of Scriabin, much less played than the fifth today, but I think it's a
1: strong piece,
0: very, very strong piece. Mm. Talk about rhythmic diversity and a sound world that he builds within the piano. And then the fifth sonata, obviously. I mean, there was there's a famous Bernstein quote when he says that if you if you distill the rhythms the, of the the fifth piano sonata of Skriabin, what you get is the danserale of the <laughs> Sartre du Printemps. It's yes. very fascinating. Um, but but uh, Scriabin, for
1: me, I'm almost uh, um, um, uh, I, ha- I have almost fear to oh, of course to to learn uh, uh, and, and and to spend time with it because I think it's it has the power of a drug. Oh, you yes. I, I could really—I mean—I have the feeling that I, I've never played. I played the 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 fantasy and um, in B minor and and uh, uh, Prometheus and a few uh, etudes, but not so, uh, big big pieces. Uh, and I had the feeling that I could easily lose myself in the same way when you when you. The work on the Prelude of Tristan or, or you know exactly uh, well, that goes or, or the Frank yes. or the Frank Quintet or or, or, or or, let's say the 2nd uh, uh, foray Quintet Pieces is so strong that they are overwhelmed and they take your entire life and yet that you plunge in it I mean like almost like a drug
0: <laughs> definitely and and to make the connection to Wagner I mean listen you saw I have a I have a poster of Wagner hanging yes. over mm-hmm. my bed um, I, I do think there's this sort of not, there's an addictive quality where you almost get a sort of Wagner flu or a Scriabin flu, yeah. where mm. you have to mm. listen to it. You have to play all of this music. You have to devote yourself to it. It's, you are thirsty.
1: You, are, exactly. you have thirst of this music. Exactly.
0: Mm. And there's hardly any cure. And it, you know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> um, one of my mentors, and I spoke about the Wagner flu, quote unquote, um, several, several years ago, I said, what do you do when you get trapped in this hole where you can only listen to this music? You can only surround yourself. And he said, the cure, it's Mozart. That's the only antidote to either one. Ah, It's, it's fascinating because it's, it's like an antipode, still equally dramatic, but in a completely different way. That yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very curious, given, given everything that you've produced, I'm curious to hear what a, a Scriabin F-sharp piano concerto would be. With you at the helm.
1: Ah, uh, I'm afraid it's a little bit too Chopinesque for me.
0: Interesting. Uh,
1: yes, yes. Uh, I was asked once to play it, and I started, and ah, no, no. Uh, I'm not so crazy about the piece. I, I much prefer uh, uh, Prometheus, the the other. Oh, uh, it's that's the... a... talk about. Yes, uh, uh, um... Chopin, Chopin world. Um, um, I, I'm. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not so 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 attracted to it as a whole. Of course, there are there are pieces I cherish among the most the most beautiful music ever written. Um, the the you know some of the mazurkas, the preludes. The, oh, it's so charming! The, but it's the third son- sonata is absolutely amazing. I'm, but I'm not the sh- the, the in, in so much in love with the concertos, for example. Oh, and 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 in in the in the um, Scriabin concerto in F. Sharp, there is a lot, there is a little bit uh, I mean it's a it's a great piece no doubt I mean you 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 recognize uh, Scriabini immediately but it's, I'm not sure it's for me
0: how do you feel uh because i share your thoughts about Chopin how do you feel about Chopin being such an instrumental part of pedagogy for pianists where everyone almost has to play so much Chopin especially at a certain point of their their early to me, uh, middle pedagogy when the children well, young, it, it,
1: teenagers it it make, it makes sense uh, you know he, he was himself very involved in pedagogy and wanted to write a, a, a piano method that he actually never um, went very far unfortunately but that was one of his of his project um, there is there is something there is a report of um, of in, in technical report and of the of the hands um, I would put almost Rachmaninoff in this category. The only problem with Rachmaninoff it's it's in a way even more difficult, and that you cannot put this so much uh, in uh, in every every hands. Um, why the report is that it's music that is extremely ergonomic, that in a way fits very well for the hand. Liszt is in that case. Well, Chopin sometimes extends the, the, the comfort to a point of being uncomfortable. But still, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a composer that... Um, it, it makes perfect sense for me that it's it, among with Bach and, and Chopin, when you start the piano, you need to, you need to do that. And, and the music is... By the way, Chopin and Bach have something in common. I think they are the two composers where you can play the music at any speed. It sounds great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and also
1: you so cannot that's... say that from Liszt.
0: Oh, oh, certainly not.
1: Some some Liszt pieces really need speed, but even even the fastest Chopin piece uh, has always a kind of contabile
0: quality. I I do want to ask who. So you've explored the complete works of so many composers. Who's next? Who's fascinating to you to perform the complete works? Ha. <sighs>
1: I mean, I'm finishing now Haydn sonatas, uh, Mozart concertos. Uh, I will probably continue the, this um, uh, Beethoven connection that we, we talked about uh, by, with two or, yeah, one or two other CDs, um, comparing, uh, I mean, not comparing, but putting together uh, 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 composers of the Beethoven area. By the way, uh, uh, something I'm very proud of in that CD is the bonus track. Is the the the, the while learning uh, the F minor Hummel sonat, and of course playing it slow, I uh, realized that I, I I knew this music. I, I I I knew, but I could not recall immediately. And suddenly I realized it was. The first movement, the development section of the first movement of Opus 110 from Beethoven.
0: Yes, and I exactly. Love, I love the title A- of that bonus track, by the way, the musical illustrations. Yes, That's exactly it's exactly. Perfect.
1: It's exactly the same music, the same structure, the same texture, and the same harmonic progression. And then again, another uh, 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 piece I was performed sounded exactly like the um, um, Opus Seven, uh, Opus Twenty Seven, Number One. Well. And, and so on and so on, and um, and so I I I was recording this um, uh, bonus track in order to, to make for the listener a comparison and, and analogy, and of course I I I was re-recording at at at, a, at a s- slow speed. Uh, because in the Hummel sonata the final is a presto, and that was the, the passage I was referring to. Or, or where in the in the, the Beethoven sonata it's really moderato andante, not not fast anyway. So uh, I re-recorded the, the Hummel at the same speed as the Beethoven, so the, the Beethoven sonata. So uh, it was possible to make connection. Anyway, I'm I'm I think I will dig more um, uh, Clementi interest me a lot uh, uh, today, but uh, I, I am very fortunate to have a great great advisor for that series, uh, who is uh, uh, Marc Vignal, an expert in Clementi, and who wrote wonderful books about Haydn, very heavy uh, uh, books on, on Haydn, and um, he has surprise for me. He's searching for other composers and uh, he found, I think, some very, very interesting music. So we, we might all of us have some surprise for the next uh,
0: two, two volumes of that series. Yes, I'm super excited to hear. And uh, lastly, I just wanted to uh, to give you an opportunity. Uh, you yourself, prolific recorder, prolific performer, where, where do you think the younger generation should dev- devote their efforts right now? In this strange time, besides practice, besides study, what specifically would you say to them? What is what is their way forward? How would you inspire them, maybe, to continue this art form?
1: Something is really missing in our society. Is the fact that you can finish your academical study and at 18, 19, starting university, having no idea. Who is Beethoven? Maybe you even think it's a dog, <laughs> or or you have have never heard uh, the name of Johann Sebastian Bach and have absolutely no clue what a fugue is. Uh, and so I'm not asking um, our uh, political leaders to uh, spend more money on culture than on defense because <laughs> that will never happen.
0: No, especially not this year.
1: <laughs> and especially not this year. And there are, of course, many uh, crucial issues. But uh, to have a minimum of of contact with uh, with classical music is, I think, and and something much more necessary than it sounds for many reasons. Uh, increasing the the, the 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 possibility to hear better, and when I say hear better, it's like uh, seeing better, it's not because you see that you understand what you see. It's not because you hear music that you understand what you hear. And there is a kind of of uh, of a training, of uh, of um, effort to 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 do, which might not obviously lead to a, a professional musical career. Of course not. But uh, an ability to to. Uh, to be happier in life. Well, okay, so that's for the leader. But your question was not for the for the for this. The questions were was more focused for the young musicians. As as I said, it's um, at the beginning of of our conversation. Um, young musicians sh- should almost live their themselves as as uh, having a duty. Uh, uh, a duty. If now all. Young musician stops uh practicing and stop learning and stop being ready to move on and to take over when this big crisis will be finished hopefully soon um music can easily not disappear but really be in in danger um, and, and and there are of course many. Many reasons to worry about, including income. Um, it's, it's definitely a main issue. I'm an idealist, idealistic, uh, and I cannot stop um, um, again recalling what uh, Sir George Shorty told me. Um, uh, there is always, keep practicing, keep practicing. There is always room at the top, there is always room for excellence. And this, this is very important, I think, to, to keep in mind, that uh, if I don't practice, if I don't continue to evolve as a musician, if I don't uh, continue to uh, increase my, my abilities, my musical abilities, whatever they are, uh, uh, I might not be able to reach my very best. But my very best is the top. My very best, if I succeed to achieve my very best, I will be at the top. Now, what is the top? It's, I'm not speaking about competition here. I'm not speaking to to be better than your your colleague over there. It's your own competition with yourself, at your top. And um, so, so that's something difficult to to have, but I think any, any musicians, any struggle. I was visiting the house of Beethoven recently when I was playing in Bonn and I saw all this incredible equipment he had to put in his ear and all these letters he had. He was confessing, shall I stop? You know, he's Beethoven. He he knows how talented he is and he's, he has already some recognition and he's asking himself, shall I stop now? What What's happening to me? What is happening to me? He's so strong. He's so... Disturbing, losing his hear, I mean, his hearing, uh, and he he has he had a moment of of total confusion if he should continue I mean, to write or not. It's and so I fantastic
0: think, to, to, yeah, I think that's at,
1: this. Yeah. We took take we could take him as as a
0: great example, you know. Exactly. Now, yeah. And you, th- it, it, Beethoven's a really interesting case because there's a lot of, uh, I think, nonsense where people try to psychologically analyze composers based on what they were writing at a certain time because you take Beethoven at his lowest emotional point i mean 1802 the Heiligenstadt testament at the same time and the music he writes at the same time it's 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 the second symphony which is his most joyous optimistic lighthearted piece he wrote in his repertoire mm-hmm. so i it's so fantastic that he even in the shortest term was able to find these glimmers of hope, these glimmers of brightness amidst all this darkness in his life
1: and I think it's not because it's the Beethoven celebration year, but um we have a lot alone, a lot to learn from from him uh, uh, as as a struggle as a man who who' who really struggle and succeed and if we hear it's not by by chance I think that he's so popular and and among among the you know the most loved because it's a man who really suffered his life is a is a mess it's i mean it's 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 really you read any biography of beethoven's life it's terrible i mean it's really no almost no joy of any kind uh, 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 maybe when he arrived at Vienna and had a little bit of success, but otherwise, on the pure sentimental uh, uh, terms, and and also what happened with his, his life and the, his nephew and and all the struggle. I mean, it's really horrible. Uh, um, it's really not happy. Anyway, he he was struggling and wrote this music, and somehow we can hear that through his music, the the struggle of his of his uh, of his life and the
0: the ultimate joy at the end that I like
1: definitely there's mm.
0: this, the talk about idealism that's mm. someone an idealist at, mm. at his very core yeah. the, and we need that today God willing <laughs> anywho thank you so much for taking time out of your my day. dear this, pleasure Stefano this was so wonderful I hope we can do it again <laughs> sure 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 of, of course anytime each work of art each artist each person is another brick laid upon the choices, voices, and experiences of the past. Join me next week as we continue our journey to uncover what's not there.